This is Global Tennessee, news analysis and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants. This is Global Tennessee. Welcome, I'm Pat Ryan from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Today we have a great program, an interview with Ralph Schulz, the President and CEO of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, Mr. Schulz for coming in today to talk to us about uh, business in Nashville. Uh, take a look back uh, as we uh, start the new year and uh, a look forward. Today we'll depart from our normal roundtable and conversation segments and we'll devote the entire time to uh, talking with Ralph. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, Tennessee World Affairs Council Chairman Jim Shepard. Jim, thanks for sitting in on this. Um, we uh, appreciate your insights and perspectives. Well, thank you, Pat. And Ralph, I'd like to welcome you to your first edition of the Global Tennessee Podcast. And we're very anxious to hear your thoughts on, on what got us to where we are today and probably more importantly, what the future may hold for Nashville. Well, uh, Pat and Jim, I'm both. I'm really ha happy to be here. Uh, the World Affairs Council does great work for Nashville and for this region and for this area. So you guys are really the, the tip of the spear when it comes to the global understanding of Nashville, and we appreciate the work that you all do. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate that. Uh, appreciate those kind words. Um, uh, let me uh, just uh, familiarize our listeners with uh, a little bit of your, your background before we get started. Uh, Ralph Schulz was, was named President and CEO of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce by the Chamber's Board of Directors in November 2006, following a 30-year career in nonprofit management, marketing, and fundraising. Uh, during his tenure, the Chamber has played a key role in helping the region emerge from the 2007 recession to a period of unprecedented growth with a business relocation and expansion strategy known as Partnership 2020. Additionally, the uh, National Area Chamber was the lead organization in the creation of the nationally recognized Nashville Entrepreneur Center and the passage of a public referendum supporting construction of the Music City Center, the uh, convention facility. Since then, uh, Ralph has taken on the role of president and CEO. Uh, the chamber has also led the movement to improve public school performance through the creation of the Academies of Nashville, established the Moving Forward Initiative to ensure the creation of a regional transportation solution through a cohesive community effort and developed into a respected publisher of data on the Nashville Metropolitan Statistical Area with the annual publication of the Vital Signs Report. In 2009, the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce was named Chamber of the Year by the American Chamber of Commerce Executives, recognizing the Nashville Chamber's organizational excellence, service to members, development of leaders and volunteers, and its impact on key community priorities. Quite a, uh, a record of achievement and uh, service uh, to the community. Uh, thank you, uh, Ralph, for, for all of your work in the community making Nashville uh, the place that it is today. Well, Patrick, I just have to say we're part of a team. There's a great leadership team in this community, both public and private, and uh, we're proud to be a part of all those accomplishments that many, many people of Nashville have worked to make happen. 
We're going to uh, break uh, the segments into uh, two parts here. We'll, we'll talk about uh, the uh, achievements and, and developments in the past, and, and then uh, after a break we'll talk about uh, looking forward in, in Nashville. But, Ralph, why don't you start by uh, telling us a little bit about the Chamber's role in international business. Well, Patrick, um, as you know, the, the purpose of the, the Chamber of Commerce in Nashville is to create economic prosperity uh, by facilitating community leadership. And one of the things community leaders have told us is that economic prosperity is dependent on a global presence. You know, we're blessed to have a brand in Nashville of music and great production and creative activity around music. And wherever you go in the world, that's what we're known for. Um, but we are part of the process that introduces um, businesses to the Nashville region uh, from international locations. Uh, we work with site consultants. We work with the consul generals. We work particularly with the Japanese consul general here in, in Nashville that's based here in Nashville. And we just familiarize them with the great economic opportunity in this area. But I think the greatest thing about Nashville from an international perspective is music is our brand and it's known worldwide and community leaders understand we have to be a participant in the global marketplace to have a prosperous economy. Maybe dig into that a little bit more, Ralph. Um, you know, I'm, I'm coming at it from a business perspective, having been in, in industry for most of my professional career. And while it, it, we all like music, when we make business decisions on where to locate new operations, there's a lot of different factors that go into play in addition to the, uh, the cultural entertainment activities. If you look back over the last couple of years, what is it about Nashville and Middle Tennessee that is attracting international companies to locate in our area? You know, there, there are some basics that have always attracted uh, companies to Nashville and caused Nashville to reach out to other countries uh, as well. But there's the basic of location. Um, you know, we're, we're situated right in a part of the United States that gives a lot of access to a lot of different marketplaces within a day's, uh, day's drive and certainly a day's flight. There's a business-friendly atmosphere to this state from a policy perspective. Uh, the state itself, state government, is very stable financially and from a policy perspective, and businesses really like the stability that that brings to a, to a business environment. Um, we have lots of great education institutions, 18 of them at the post-secondary level that generate high quality graduates and, and workforce, Belmont being one of those, Vanderbilt being another, Lipscomb and, and others as well. Um, and, you know, Nashville's just had a reputation for over 100 years of being a friendly place. You know, we've, you know, for a, for a long time, for the last 50 years, Nashville's really kind of been a refugee center for uh, foreign nationals that are looking for a place to land when they're looking for a place to come other than where they are. And so that's created a great diversity in the population uh, of Nashville. And not only do international businesses, but even domestic businesses, they're looking for that kind of diverse uh, workforce and population. So there's a list of great things. Uh, we're a low-cost business operating location, too. So when you look at a Nissan or when you look at uh, 
some of these uh, Bridgestone and other foreign companies that are based here, they like the location, they like the workforce, they like the culture, and they like the economics. Uh, Ralph, can you talk a little bit about uh, what makes Nashville a, a place where global companies uh, want want to do business in terms of uh, foreign direct investment, and and uh, maybe uh, share with our listeners some of the uh, achievements and and the significance of foreign direct investment in our relationship with uh, import and export markets, and and also with foreign based businesses that relocate uh, in Tennessee and in Middle Tennessee and and in Nashville. You know. Um this kind of foreign direct investment has always been a part, particularly a part of the music industry. Um, but, um, you know, you really look back to the 70s and 80s when Nissan decided to locate a lot of their uh, production activity and then their North American headquarters most recently. Um, you know, our, our trade with Japan, the foreign direct investment with Japan, just kind of dwarfs all the rest of the the foreign direct investment. I think um, this year there are almost 18,000 jobs in 69 locations around the state that are are placed there by Japanese businesses uh, that are active in the state of Tennessee. We also have a great trading relationship with the UK. They've there are about 3,300 jobs related direct. Uh, foreign direct investment, but there are also Tennessee businesses doing business, HCA more prominently in, uh, over in the UK. In fact, one of my favorite things to do when I go to the UK and go to London is to go to the Winston Churchill Museum, walk in the front door, and right there at the front door is a thank you uh, placard and sign because HCA provided lots of funding to restore that, that underground uh, facility. But we continue to see expansion of, of activity with Germany, France. Um, we continue to see trade relationships develop. Uh, the automotive industry is an important industry for this region, um, and that brings us into a lot of global marketplaces as well. But again, I have to mention the fact that um, our education institutions, our post-secondary, our, our universities and colleges, they're... They're doing a lot of foreign study, and they're bringing a lot of foreign visitors uh, to this to this community as well. And all of that exposure creates the opportunity for a business exchange. Maybe we get into a little bit more detail on, on Japan. As, as you mentioned, it's a, such a significant uh, player in, in the Middle Tennessee market. Can, and you had previously served as a chair of the Japan American Society of Tennessee, and obviously I have a close working relationship with the consulate and many of the Japanese companies that are located here. Can you tell us a little bit more about that relationship, maybe share a little bit of the history and why it, it's working so well right now? Well, you know, um, the Nissan relationship was, was, was kind of the beginning. I, I've actually lived in Nashville twice. I lived in Nashville in the late 70s, and then I came back to Nashville in the, in the late 90s. And I remember when I was here in the 70s, it was just at the beginning of the Nissan relationship uh, here in, in Middle Tennessee. And I thought it was actually pretty cool, cool because you see all these Japanese executives uh, showing up. I used to play golf over in the Smyrna area, and I just remember that the golf course in Smyrna became heavily populated with Japanese uh, executives that were over here from Nissan. 
but, you know, I love Lamar Alexander's story and his demonstration, uh, governor at the time, of how he really demonstrated the prime location of Nashville by using a, uh, a picture of the United States at night showing all of the light closely located to where uh, Nashville and, and Tennessee was to demonstrate the access to the many different markets um, that, that they had here. Um, Nissan uh, located their, their North American headquarters here then again years later, partially because of the economic benefit and the cultural benefit of operating in, in this area. And we continue to enjoy that great relationship. And as you look all over Nashville, you see Nissan all over the area. You know, they're great participants in the community, and they are sponsors in the, in, in the community from the stadium to the arena to a lot of philanthropic efforts. Um, and then, of course, Bridgestone. Bridgestone's a staple in Nashville. And it was I thought it was great a couple of years ago when, you know, Bridgestone, Bridgestone was examining again— Where's the best place for Bridgestone America's headquarters anywhere uh, in the two continents of, of South America and North America? And after a couple of years of study, they concluded the best place for Bridgestone America's was right here in Nashville. And I think an important part of that consideration was just the ease with which business could be conducted in this state the culture that exists in Nashville that the employees of Bridgestone really enjoyed, the presence of the Japanese consulate here in, in Nashville, but also the respect with which our public officials, the governor in particular, treat these business executives of other countries that are making investments in the state of Tennessee and in, in our economy. Uh, you know, I know both of you guys have, have visited these other countries for economic purposes, and we do too. Um, you know, our intent in going there is, is to demonstrate to them how much we appreciate that investment. And I know the governor in particular, in fact, several governors have, have gone over to say, what can we do to help improve your business circumstance in this, in this state? So... Long-term, steady, dependable relationships matter. We're talking with uh, Ralph Scholes, the president and CEO of the National Area Chamber of Commerce. This is Global Tennessee, the podcast of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Uh, Ralph, let's let's talk about some of the um, happenings in Nashville in the past uh, year as we close the, the books on 2018. Probably one of the biggest stories, Amazon for the community. Give us uh, your, your perspective and, and insights on uh, capturing that, uh, that deal and, and what it means to Nashville. Well, Amazon was a big headline story, and we were excited to be mentioned on that day of the big announcement when they uh, announced their H2Q, and then they also announced the Excellence Center, the Operations Excellence Center here, because this is a pivotal part of their business. The logistics activity that surrounds um, that surrounds Amazon, for them to choose to locate their headquarters for that activity in Nashville says a lot about Nashville and the availability of talent. We we enjoyed the headline. We enjoy the five thousand jobs, um, 
But I think one of the things that people sometimes miss when they're looking at the decision that Amazon made was the fact that Amazon put that facility in Nashville because for over 150 years, Nashville's been a logistics center. The talent exists here, and this is probably one of the most important messages that go to a lot of companies making foreign direct investment here, and that is they make investments based on the workforce availability in this area. When they see the engineering, when they see the marketing, when they see the accounting, or in the case of Amazon, when they see the logistics talent that is here, TSU has a logistics program as part of its university uh, studies. When they see that talent, they want to put their operations and their activities right here in the Nashville area. Now, it helps that we are known to be a creative and innovative center. It helps to know that we have a good public policy that makes it easier for businesses to operate. But what really drives these companies is people. And having that workforce availability, you know, when Amazon said, we have another project in addition to the H2Q project, and they said, we're looking at several cities. This was the project they were talking about, and I think what, what we can hang our hat on is the fact that we have so much logistics talent already here, it makes it easy for them to bring it up to full speed quickly. Now, we uh, were obviously known as Music City, and that's a large chunk of, uh, of the business and the commerce being done here. Uh, healthcare is a big uh, employer. Vanderbilt University and the medical center are, are big in the uh, piece of the pie. Uh, when we have distinguished visiting speakers who come to the World Affairs Council to talk, they, uh, you know, they marvel at uh, all the cranes and buildings and, and uh, are stupefied as to what the heck is going on. And they ask questions like, well, what, what's driving Nashville? And what, what would your answer be to, to questions like that? I, I would say what's driving Nashville first are the people of Nashville that do, especially community leadership, both public and private, they make decisions and they form plans with the intention of creating a prosperous environment. I think what we're seeing today, whether it's Amazon or Alliance Bernstein or decisions made by Bridgestone or Nissan or others, is really the result of about 30 years of investment in this community. You know, the, this community decided in the early 90s, we're going to invest in a higher quality of life. We're going to invest in infrastructure. We're going to make sure that we create an environment that businesses can prosper in. We're going to focus on education so that, that future workforce uh, exists. When we did our package of proposal to Amazon, one of the things we featured was a video at one of the local elementary schools of fifth graders, third graders, I can't remember which now, but young, really young people saying, we're your future workforce. Here's the job I'm looking for. These are the things I really care about. Because we wanted Amazon to see we've got an education system that's delivering that workforce for them um, in the future. So, um, you know, I really think it what drives people here is that. Now, that music brand, don't underestimate the value and power of that. I was driving down Music Row years ago as part of the leadership music program, and I was sitting next to a music executive from L.A., 
and we're looking out at Music Row and we're seeing a lot of for sale signs in front of a lot of those buildings. And I wasn't of the music business at that point. I said, so what keeps music in Nashville? And because uh, you can do music anywhere now. And she said to me, she said, Nashville is a place where writers write together. Nashville is a place where people walk into each other on the sidewalk. Nashville, in L.A., you might take months to get a no on a request for an interview. And in Nashville, you might have that conversation in a Kroger. So as long as that kind of community exists around music, Nashville's going to have music. Well, I think that also relates to the other aspects of Nashville. You know, since the, the end of the Civil War, there has been a personality in Nashville that says, come on in, we want you to succeed, we'll help you succeed. When you look at the economic history of Nashville, and, and, I, and I'm going to abbreviate this, but when you look at the economic history of Nashville, you see a federal uh, government that established a distribution center for their army that they left behind after the Civil War. Irish immigrants came into town and took it over and began to make Nashville a distribution center, which led to it being a published center, which, publishing center, which led it to being a music center, which led it to being a financial center, which led to being... Uh, a healthcare center, you see this, and all of that happened because companies like HCA say, look, that's a great idea. We don't want to own it. We don't want to do it, but we'll be your first contract or we'll put equity into your business. That's, that's the kind of culture that, that, that's a magnet for people. Again, we're talking with Ralph Schultz, the uh, president and CEO of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce, and this is Global Tennessee the podcast of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We're going to take a break in a minute, uh, Ralph. I just wanted to touch on a little bit of uh, your background. Uh, you were the CEO of the Adventure Science Center for six years. I absolutely and, was. And turned that around in, into a spectacular operation. That, Once uh, again, a, a great team of people turned it around, but probably one of the most fun jobs I ever had. Well, you, you're uh, obviously sensitive then to uh, nonprofits in the community. We'll, we'll talk just briefly about the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and, and I'll mention that uh, we are uh, not just uh, the bringers of speakers on uh, uh, war and peace and uh, plague and uh, pestilence, but uh, we also do, uh, uh, as, as listeners to our podcast found in our last podcast, talk about uh, travel photography and international music and, and other topics. But you're sensitive to what it takes to keep a nonprofit uh, afloat in Nashville, a community um, interest uh, that needs to be generated. And one of the things that, that we try to do at the World Affairs Council, and there are 90 of them around the country, and there had never been one in Tennessee until uh, we started this one here in Nashville, uh, but we try to uh, uh, give Nashville the credibility in the international domain of having a World Affairs Council because I suspect when uh, people are looking at foreign direct investment and they see cities that, uh, that do have a global understanding and perspective, those that, that host conversations like those that we, we develop here um, might have a, a check in the block that others might not. You know, you, the World Affairs Council in Tennessee has access 
to people who can facilitate this economic development that's taking place in foreign direct investment. The chamber did, just doesn't have access to all of the assets that are needed for every circumstance. So having a partnership with the World Affairs Council in Tennessee really helps us to navigate when those opportunities arise. It also helps to have the World Affairs Council promoting Nashville when, when the World Affairs Council is inviting people in and visiting other, other countries. So, you know, we really see the World Affairs Council as, a, as an important ingredient that, you know, with assets that we don't possess, but we're fortunate to be able to, uh, to tap into. But it's really important for the community to step up and be supportive of those organizations. It's not, you know, these organizations need resourcing like any other organization. And if we want to continue to have that asset available to us, all of us need to step up and not only support financially, but be engaged, attend. There's just one last thing I'd, I'd say about that. And that oh, is, you can go on and on. We're, <laughs> we're happy to give you the mic on this one. That's, uh, you know, one of the distinguishing characteristics, and I've lived in 11 different cities uh, over the course of my career, one of the distinguishing characteristics of Nashville is the way community leadership actually engages and the way organizations welcome that engagement. A lot of times you go into nonprofit organizations and professional organizations and you find the staff pretty much runs the show and they're just looking for the check. That's not the case in Nashville. Nashville nonprofits want personal engagement. They want leadership around the table. They want leadership providing definition and energy to strategy. They also want that financial support but they really, you know, the nonprofit community in Nashville thrives because of the engagement and the appropriate resourcing that comes with it. Well, thank you for the kind words about uh, what we bring to the community and, and also what uh, nonprofits in general uh, do to sustain uh, what makes Nashville a special place. Again, this is the uh, Global Tennessee Podcast from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We're going to take a, a brief break, and when we come back, we'll talk with uh, Jim Schultz, um, excuse me, Ralph Schultz and Jim Shepard about uh, 2019, what uh, big stories uh, are ahead. Uh, again, uh, Global Tennessee Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. You're listening to Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council. We invite you to share your thoughts with us in email info at tnwac.org. You can subscribe to the World Affairs Council newsletter on the website tnwac.org. And you can like us on Facebook at Tennessee WAC, as well as follow us on Twitter at tnwac. Don't forget to tell your friends about Global Tennessee and the World Affairs Council. This podcast and other educational programs from the World Affairs Council are supported by you and our sponsors. Are you interested in supporting global affairs awareness in your community? Visit tnwac.org for more information. Welcome back. This is Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan, president of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We're here today with Ralph Schulz, the president and CEO of the National Area Chamber of Commerce, and Jim Shepard, the chairman of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Jim uh, also has served as the chair of the International Business Council, uh, connected with the uh, National Area Chamber of Commerce, and is uh, the retired president of Carlix uh, Glass, a major international 
automotive manufacturing concern. So he's uh, well-versed on uh, international business and uh, what uh, that means uh, for natural. So he's uh, a great uh, co-host here talking with uh, Ralph Schulz from the Natural Area Chamber. Uh, Jim, over to you. Okay, thanks, Pat. Well, Ralph, here's a, a question for you to get started on our second session. You've been on uh, several trade missions and study missions around the world with the uh, governor, the mayor, the Nashville Healthcare Council. Is there any particular memory that stands out, you know, a lesson learned or a takeaway that stuck with you through the years? You know, I think the first thing that stands out is what a vibrant economy exists in the United States. But the value of that economy, both to foreign countries, to other countries, and the value that those countries can bring to us as well. I mean, whether it's Germany, whether it's France, whether it's China, Russia in the early 90s, um, there, there is value that goes in both directions. And I think for me on these trade missions, that's always the most illuminating component is you're not always aware of the value that can come to you from these countries. You kind of go there expecting to project the value that we can provide, access to the marketplace or a good place for foreign direct investment. But when you get to these other countries, you find there's opportunity there and there's interest and willingness there. So um, I think that's, that's the big thing. Okay. One of the uh, issues that, that uh, came up uh, in in the past two years, especially in 2018, but is uh, continuing uh, on the uh, uh, on the horizon for businesses uh, and consumers uh, is the tariff war that we've got with uh, China, uh, the tariffs that have been placed on uh, steel and aluminum coming in from various countries, the uh, the back and forth with our European trading partners. I was reading uh, yesterday uh, the impact on whiskey, which maybe not Nashville, but Tennessee certainly has its uh, share of whiskey heading uh, across the Atlantic. Uh, but the uh, aluminum and steel coming in, especially for the automotive industry, uh, what, what's your uh, view on what's going on? Uh, it's, it's difficult to get our arms around the scope of the, the tariff issue and the problems and what it's uh, causing for businesses in Tennessee. Well, from a research perspective, we're looking at that developing that information right now. So we've got a research project oriented around seeing what the impact of these these tariffs are. I know when we modeled this, uh, we saw the impact being negative generally to the economy in the state of Tennessee and in Middle Tennessee. A lot of that has to do with the automotive industry and manufacturing industry that exists here, which has been on the rise. And that's a good thing because it's generating more jobs they're high-quality jobs, and we want to continue to see Nashville be one of those manufacturing centers uh, around the world. But I also think it's important, you know, the relationships are key, too. I, we are blessed to have from various countries, first of all, in Nashville, we have Japanese consul generals that have been very engaged in the community and very personally involved in this region, even as they serve additional states from this consulate but from Atlanta whether French German UK um, Holland you you name it 
Nashville has become a place to visit because of the economic vitality of the center. And when tariffs are a part of the conversation, it creates less of a conversation and more of a negotiation. And that conversation is what seems to work best for us. So I would say that as you as we looked at tariffs and their effect on the Tennessee economy, particularly in the manufacturing categories, but also potentially in some of the agricultural categories, it's not a good thing for us. It also has a negative effect at times on conversations with uh, foreign businesses that would like to locate here or trade with us. And following up on that a little bit, uh, we all understand, I think, near term, some of the impacts of, of tariffs are, are pretty negative. Uh, but long term, what's your perspective on how our uh, partner countries around the world and companies that are located outside of the U.S. and looking for FDI back into the U.S.? How is the current tariff environment impacting their thought process, and, and how do you think that's going to impact their decisions in the next four to five years? Well, I think to add on to that, it's not just the tariffs, but also the U.S. position on, uh, on trade agreements. We uh, saw that the president, when, as soon as he took office, uh, canceled American participation in the, uh, the TPP. And uh, it was a campaign issue, but I, I suspect, uh, having talked to many people during the, the run-up to the election, uh, very few of them could t tell you what was in the TPP. And uh, uh, now we're looking at our relationship with China, and that, that was certainly an area where we were hedging China away from uh, Pacific trading allies. But as, as Jim mentioned, uh, tariffs and uh, the overall economic uh, feel of what's going on in, in the United States, uh, how, how does that affect our trading partners and potential uh, FDI investors? You know, I'm thinking back to when we were talking about the uh, Atlantic, transatlantic um, uh, economic activity and studies we had done, and we actually visited with the British Embassy, the UK in, uh, in DC, we saw 30% more economic activity possible if that transatlantic pact had been had been activated. Um, so we saw a lot more European economic activity that would have existed. And obviously, those kinds of trade agreements open doors to to conversation. But even as we look at things like NAFTA and the the North and North or the uh, North American treaties and so forth, there's an awful lot of interplay between industry in Canada, industry in the United States, industry in Mexico, that is positive for creating job activity in the United States and in the Middle Tennessee area. Uh, things like automotive production, aircraft production, uh, a lot of manufacturing overlap. And so when you simplify that trade opportunity, it leads to conversations about expansion that don't exist when you complicate uh, the, the trade conversation. So, um, you know, again, you know, there's bilateral negotiations, which, you know, which obviously create uh, trading or, or negotiating leverage in some cases. There's multilateral um, you know, we, we have a tendency to want to have easier access to the global economy and have the global economy have easier access to us. 
Well, Ralph, earlier you, you mentioned you made several trips to the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we know, we now have a direct link between Nashville <laughs> and Heathrow. What impact is that going to have on our business relationships between the Nashville area and the UK? You know, it, there are so many layers of positive impact that come from that, that London flight. Um, there are other international flights, mainly to vacation locations, but now we're seeing more interest from other carriers that would like to consider those flights as well. But what we've seen from that flight already is it's exceeded expectations in terms of its traffic. In fact, you know, British Airways is now looking at different equipment to put on that route, creating more space, by the way, for first-class travel, which tells you something about the prosperity um, of this region. But we're seeing a lot more business travel. I was talking to a music executive the other day that said he catches the morning flight out of here to... Uh, or I'm sorry, the evening flight out of here to Great Britain, to, to London. He does his business for the day in London and then hops the evening flight from London back to the United States. And it creates just, again, easier access. There's a lot of leisure travel that is going back and forth. Um, and there is now more interest in domestic flights to Nashville because of that that British Airways connection. So, you know, just the ease of moving your person to a different environment. And then as British, British Airways is so well-crafted, the, then the immediate access to the rest of the continent sure. and even the rest of the world is Yeah, key. it's the gateway to Europe. Yeah. So, so it's big, big, big plus. So mm -hmm. it, there was a lot of celebrating, a lot of hugging mm -hmm. when, when, when that one happened. There is one thing I would say about that, too, in addition. When we first made a visit over there to talk to them, we actually talked to a couple of airlines about creating that flight. One of the things we found out was that people had a great awareness in London, at, in British Airways particularly, of our music heritage, but they were really unaware of the business uh, activity in Nashville. They were unaware that we were a healthcare business center. They were unaware that we were a logistics center. They were unaware of the growth that was occurring in population and business expansion. So it was important to go over there and say, yeah, we love our business heritage, I mean, our music heritage, but we're a real live business center for the United States. Ralph, can you uh, talk a little bit about the uh, level of growth in, in Nashville? Is it sustainable? Uh, do we do we forecast that it will level off? Uh, a few less cranes, a few a few uh, resolutions to traffic, and some of the issues that the growth is is uh, bringing to the city. Well, the things that will cause it to level off are are economic and cultural. Uh, we want to maintain the character of this community being a friendly, open place. That is part of the draw to this to this area. Uh, from an economic perspective, our cost of living, with all the conversation that's been taking place around town about the cost of housing and the cost of living, truth is we're just approaching the national average. We had been operating about 10% below the national average, which is why Nashvilleians feel that change but from a competitive position we're just basically at the na at the national average 
as we do projections out, as we model out 10 years and then 20 years, and of course, you know, we don't know when floods will occur. We don't know when recessions will occur uh, or calamities economically that we don't necessarily control. But as we model out, we see that 3.5% kind of growth and sometimes a little higher, sometimes a little lower in the GDP continuing for the next 10, 10 years we trust, 15 years and, and, and out we start to, we feel like, like that's a little more speculative. Um, we're going to continue to draw people. We're drawing them at a rate of 30 to 40,000 a year. The average age is 29 years old. They're coming to us mostly with some form of post-secondary certification or degree. Those are the kind of people that uh, businesses want to employ. We've seen record unemployment in this area. We've seen a governor that has now made post-secondary education more accessible through free tuition uh, in this region. And we see hundreds of people taking advantage of the opportunity to upgrade their skills by getting back into that education. So those are all positives. From a traffic perspective, infrastructure, we need to stay focused on that. We're right now more or less surviving on infrastructure that's been planted for a while. We have to, we have to continue to invest in that infrastructure. Transportation and mobility is still better than it is in many major cities. But again, it's affecting the quality of life here, and that mobility around this region is going to continue to be a priority. The transit referendum failure hasn't stopped us, TDOT, the mayor's office, the governor's office, and other independent organizations and businesses from seeking solutions that we can craft without the money that the referendum would have provided. So you'll see more ride-sharing You'll see solutions like bikes and scooters uh, for more immediate travel. Um, and you'll, you know, we're already starting to see businesses that are staggering hours to help even out the traffic. They're making special uh, accommodations to employees that might use Lyft or Uber or the Music City Star, uh, doing everything they can to make that mobility work. Well, uh, looking forward a little bit, in about two weeks, we'll have a new governor, and we have a new legislative season is just beginning. What's on the, the chamber's radar as it relates to, uh, to the changes in the administration here in Tennessee? You know, I think for us, um, two things are of the highest urgency. One of those is, is always going to be education. I mean, it's been that way for 20 years. Uh, we've worked closely with the governor's office on these post-secondary programs to help workforce upgrade their skill level. Um, but we'll be continuing to work with the governor, we hope, and we hope he has it as a priority, particularly in the area of career technical education. Um, you know, CTE education, there's a lot of great economic opportunity in this region related to job certifications and apprenticeships and career technical education that doesn't require a four-year degree. It, you, you, there might be a two-year degree. There might be a one-year certification process. 
I'm I'm encouraged by the fact that Governor Lee is saying that he's going to make that a real focus, and and we will as as well. The second the second big thing is a quality of life issue, and it's really um, healthcare access for the population in the state of Tennessee. You know, it's healthcare is an expensive proposition for every individual household, and part of economic prosperity is making healthcare uh, available and accessible uh, to people in this community. One of the studies we did in the last couple of years is what's the impact of the health behaviors of middle Tennesseans on their productivity in the workforce. And we are finding more businesses that are asking the question and paying attention to what's the health characteristic and the health level. And as everybody knows, we have chronic illnesses in this region that exceed the national average. And we've got to change health behaviors and provide health care access so that those issues don't exist in the magnitude that they exist now. And that makes our workforce more attractive to businesses in this area. So those are, those are really the two things that are biggest on our list. We're uh, talking with Ralph Schultz, the uh, president and uh, CEO of the National Area Chamber of Commerce, uh, Jim Shepard, chairman of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and I'm Pat Ryan, uh, president of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Uh, this is uh, the Global Tennessee Podcast. We're about to close, and we'll uh, ask uh, uh, Ralph uh, for some of the surprises we can expect to see in uh, Nashville business in 2019 and maybe some predictions that we can uh, look forward to uh, whether he's got some inside baseball uh, tips or uh, something that he just might be uh, predicting on, on the horizon. But first, I just want to remind everybody that the Global Tennessee podcast is uh, produced in association with the Belmont University Center for International Business and the National Area Chamber of Commerce. We appreciate the support of the, the chamber. And we uh, would like to invite businesses that are interested in getting involved in the Global Tennessee Podcast to contact us uh, concerning sponsorship or interviews uh, if they have uh, something timely and, and insightful on Nashville business that they would like to share with the community through the Global Tennessee Podcast. And we will uh, have all that information on our website at tnwac.org. Uh, last uh, segment here, uh, Ralph, and, and then we'll uh, uh, let you off the hook. But first, uh, a, a couple of uh, questions that uh, we'll, we'll come back in January 2020 and, and test your, uh, your prognostication. What, uh, what should people expect to see in, in 2019 in uh, the area of Nashville business uh, development, uh, issues that are either on the table now, things um, that could come out of the blue uh, that you might be uh, looking to take advantage of or to, to hedge our bets about? Uh, any any uh, wild guesses? Well, I think most of what I would say is somewhat predictable, follows the, the same pattern as previous years. We have a 138 projects in our pipeline right now uh, that could generate thousands of jobs. Um, some of those, you know, 80% of the job growth in this region comes from existing businesses, businesses that are already here. That other 20% comes from uh, businesses that are locating here. 
But I see, I think you're going to continue to see expansion of middle skill jobs uh, in this region. I think you're, you know, we, we talk in terms of exporters and then businesses that sort of support those exporters. You know, businesses like HGA don't consume all that they do here in the local area. And we have lots of businesses in that category. You put Nissan in that category, Bridgestone and others. There's a layer of businesses that support businesses that have that kind of economic activity. And we ex expect to see continued growth in that activity. I don't think there's Major League Baseball on the, on the agenda for the coming year. But How about a Stanley Cup? Major League Soccer. And, <laughs> and, and I am betting on that Stanley Cup. I'm not missing a game, because I, a Preds game, because I want to be an absolute part of it. But I think you're going to see continued job growth. You're going to see continued population growth. And some of those 138 projects may well be surprises. Well, with that, we'll, uh, we'll close our Tennessee, Global Tennessee podcast today with thanks to Ralph Schultz for uh, joining us and uh, Jim Shepard, uh, chairman of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, for co-hosting. I'm Pat Ryan, president of Tennessee World Affairs Council. Again, take a look at our website, tnwac.org, for our calendar of upcoming events, uh, how you can become a member of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, how you can provide some financial support to us to continue the work that we're doing for the community and our education outreach programs. If you're a teacher or a student, take a look at the World uh, WorldQuest uh, information on the website and get involved in uh, global awareness education in the schools, and we uh, have a, a full array of programs to support that. So uh, anybody interested in what's going on in the world, and hopefully that's uh, all concerned citizens among us, take a look at the Tennessee World Affairs Council website and uh, come and join us at our programs. Again, thanks today to uh, Ralph Schultz, the president and CEO of the National Area Chamber of Commerce, and my co-host, Jim Shepard. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Pat. This has been Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council in cooperation with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The executive producer of Global Tennessee is Patrick Ryan, senior producer Logan Monday, technical advisor Bill Ryan, and the voice of Global Tennessee as well as the Penn Jones Conspiracy. I'm Benjamin Olson. Visit tnwac.org podcast for more information. 